I'm Chris Motes, and this is Faith in Politics. On this broadcast, we range from the soul to the state as we try to cultivate those virtues and explore those principles that help us live well as faithful Catholics in this great land. My guest today is Father Brian Christensen, a priest of the Diocese of Rapid City, currently serving as rector of the Cathedral of Our Lady of Perpetual Help. Welcome to the show, Father Christensen. Yeah, good to be with you, Chris. Thanks for inviting me. Uh, I'm so glad you're here. And I just want to, I want to go right for it. You are a unique priest because you, I think, are the only Roman Catholic priest that has ever piloted a B1. True or false? Uh, that may, in fact, be true. I'm not 100% sure. I'm not, certainly not the only military pilot that's become a priest. But, uh, and not even in our diocese. We have another priest that was a B-52 pilot uh, years ago, but yeah, maybe the only B-1 guy. The only B-1 guy. So that's, uh, which is one of the, the impetuses for kind of having you on the show today. You know, we've got, uh, this is this is the time of year when everybody's got the stars and, stri- stars and stripes hanging from their, from their porch. And we just start thinking about uh, love of country. So just knowing a bit of your, your background, Really wanted to to discuss that background a bit, some of the some of the the inspiration for it, some of those experiences, and then talk about some of the the principles uh, that are really that we could say are in common uh, between military service, the life of faith, uh, the integration. So do you do you mind uh, for our listeners? You know, Rapid City. I think people are probably pretty familiar with 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 you and your background. But do you mind just telling us your story? Yeah. No. Uh- I'm originally a New Yorker by birth. I grew up on Long Island, New York, oldest of four kids. My whole family's still back there. No one's uh, left the local area. My brother and his wife and kids, my two sisters, their husbands and their kids, mom and dad uh, are still the center and the hub of that whole thing. So, but it was the Air Force. I joined the Air Force after high school and going to the Air Force Academy, graduating in 87 and being commissioned as a second lieutenant in the Air Force that has kept me traveling around the world ever since and ultimately landed me here at Ellsworth Air Force Base in uh, just outside of Rapid City, flying B-1s in the 77th Bomb Squadron from uh, 1991 to the end of 1993. Um, And it was during that time that I got really involved here in the life of the parish and felt the call to priesthood and entered into seminary in January of 94. Ultimately, I was ordained a, a priest of the Diocese of Rapid City in 1999 and I've Served almost coming up here uh, 21 years. Well, and I don't know if this is a product of you having moved around for military service, uh, but I got to commend you. You've you have no trace of the New York accent. Um, you've really adopted the the Western uh, plain vanilla pretty well. So, well, forget about it. But, uh, <laughs> I don't know if that was if if you had to like sort of conscience consciously like work on that. But uh, bravo. There are some very funny like videotapes and audio tapes of my younger years when it is very strong, really, very, very strong. And there are some words that people will point out uh, in a homily or a talk or in conversation. Oh. That, that's there's some New York sneaking out. Did, when you go back home to visit or you see your family, does it creep out again? It does. It really yeah. does. Just being around it. You know, my family has uh, the great New York accent and in particularly a little bit of the Brooklyn, Long Island flavor to that accent. So great. So kind of stepping back to military service, did, did you come from a military family or what, what drew you to military service originally? No, not really. Uh, my dad did go to the Merchant Marine Academy, you know, 
in Kings Point, New York, and then served two years on a ship in the Navy um, in the early, uh, he graduated in 59, so 60 and 61, before he then left to join his father, my grandfather, in the, their contracting business. Um, so military was not foreign to us, but it wasn't all that prevalent uh, to us. But I think, you know, as I was contemplating college and the things that I wanted to do, um, I was just encouraged to look at the military academies, and uh, and that's what I did. And uh, I had a great experience at the Air Force Academy in Colorado Springs. Both of, uh, you know, uh, germane to our topic today, my faith grew tremendously mm. in those years of college uh, because I, I had good friends who were solid in their faith, uh, both Catholic and Christian uh, men and women, non-Catholic Christians, but also too, like, the, at the Air Force Academy, if you're familiar with the geography of it, yep. at the heart and center of the campus is the chapel. You cannot forget about it. It's something right. that's there. And so it really deeply impacted me growing in those years of both military service and my faith seemed to go hand in hand. Yeah. And, and the chapel, for those who have never been to the campus there in Colorado Springs, the chapel is sort of, it's got this visual orientation that is just like zooming to the heavens which is both kind of an, this Air Force imagery of, you know, aim high, but also this transcendent Catholic, let's go up, go higher. Right. right. I've uh, had beautiful. the opportunity to celebrate mass there and do some memorial services for my fallen classmates during our 25th and 30th reunions. Uh, so it's been a, it's been an important part of my life. Okay. So do you, do you have any like favorite memories of like, you know, the favorite mission you ever flew or, like the most fun you ever had or, or like what's the what's a memory that sticks out for you yeah there's a there's a few things uh, that stick out you one i was blessed never to have to fly in combat uh, mm. during those years uh so that that was a blessing talking to my brothers and sisters in arms that it's been a it's, it's a real challenge when you enter into that uh, necessity um but uh yeah no i and i enjoyed flying tremendously there's a lot of great stories out there. I think there's a few ranchers here in uh, Western South Dakota that would remember some of our low flybys over their, okay. over their ranches and cattle. They, they're still shaking their fist at me even uh, this, you know, 25 years later. Um, but yeah, no, uh, I enjoyed it thoroughly and uh, it, it, was, it was a great blessing to me to be able to serve our country that way. Well, is there anything, um, and I know you're just a very joyful, happy priest. So I don't mean to suggest that there's any regret, but is there anything that you're just really nostalgic for or an element of military life that, that just really uh, gave, you, gave you a lot of joy? No, that's a good question. And I would say that the thing that I miss most about military life is kind of the collaboration in a common mission and the good mm. people that I serve with day in and day out. But that's also been in many ways the joy of my daily life to be in a common mission with brother priests, um, deacons, religious, and the lay faithful here in the parish, that we have a common mission. We're in a battle. We're in a long-term war against the enemy. Um, and we get to wage it every day with the assurances of Christ. So, so I guess finding the camaraderie, especially the priestly fraternity that I've discovered over these years mm. um, is, is, is something that's akin to that. And I would say even more than what I used to have. Beautiful. That's really beautiful. 
Okay, so we're gonna lighten it up real quick. Before we, uh, before we jumped on this call together, I was really just struggling with the technology. And, and I joked about the reason that I don't, I don't, you know, I struggle with technology is because I'm an old Marine. I don't know if, if the regular listeners to this podcast or to this broadcast know that, but I served five years active duty as a Marine infantry officer and there, there are plenty of jokes out there. So this is the chance, I'm just teeing it up father. You know, between, just between you and me, what is your, what's your favorite Marine joke? Well, you know, it's been a long time. Uh, the other day I was hanging out with uh, two older Marines and they were giving me a hard time about being an Air Force guy in the cushy service of that. I said, well, the chair force, the chair force, exactly. And so I was just reminding them that, you know, we're the, we're the ones who are always, you know, dropping the heavy munitions and keeping them safe. Uh, and they can go in and mop up after we're done. <laughs> we did the heavy lifting. They did the cleanup. Work, yeah, we'll so. go. We'll go sweep up when you're done. Um, <laughs> I, there's a there's a lot of truth in that, though. It is it is one one military team, and just having been that guy on the ground, I can I can testify to um, the <laughs> just warm feelings in my heart uh, that that spontaneously arose when I, when I saw air power overhead at, at some key moments. So Chris, I had one, one moment, you know, the B one got rid of all its nuclear weapons back in 1992. And so we were without a mission for a long time. And so we were looking around who would play with us and who would do some practice with us so that we could actually be useful and uh, uh, in, in our service. And so the B one had loaded up, um, 500 pound dumb bombs and nobody would let us drop them around them. But the Marines at 29 Palms said, yeah, sure. Come on out. We'll figure out a way to do this. We'll do some close air support. And so thanks to the Marines at 29 Palms, um, we loaded up three B1s from Ellsworth Air Force Base, flew them out there to Southern California and in close proximity to advancing Marine troops in the training grounds out there, uh, I was the third ship of B1s. So there's a ship ahead of me that dropped nine Mark 82s at almost 600 miles an hour. Uh, and, and then the next ship dropped another nine and we dropped the final nine. So 27, you know, uh, bombs right there in close proximity. And you could still hear the cheers of the Marines, you know, I'm sure it was, that was the coolest thing they'd seen in a long time. I'm sure. Oh yeah. It was having, having been seen in a long time. And having been stationed at 29 Palms, I will tell you, there's not a whole lot for entertainment out there. <laughs> um, just a, a quick aside, this isn't about me, but this is just a funny story. Is uh, so, And I was a little after your time, so I wasn't at 29 Palms when you were flying overhead. But I actually got assigned to 29 Palms because I lost an arm wrestling contest at the infantry officer course. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not even joking. Like it was wow. a couple of us that were sort of, you know, where are you going to go? Pendleton where there's the beach or are you going to go to 29 Palms in the middle of nowhere? So that's how I got sent there. And it ended up being a great blessing. Uh, like you, I had a good experience of just the Lord speaking really clearly in many ways. The Lord speaks in the desert. He did for me. He did for many of the, he does. He um, does. many of our forefathers in faith. So anyhow, uh, if you're just tuning in, you're, you're joining, uh, Chris Motes, the host of Faith and Politics, joined by Father Brian Christensen. We're just uh, having a good laugh, talking about some uh, military experiences. Um, Father Father Christensen, I think, may be the only Roman Catholic priest that has piloted a B-1, although we have determined there's at least one, um, one former B-52 pilot out there with a, a Roman collar around his neck. I, I want to just transition a little bit at this, this point in the show, and I want to talk a little bit about a little bit about patriotism. 
how do we, as Catholics, maybe we can even just say as American Catholics, you know, mm-hmm. who we are, how do we understand this virtue of, of patriotism? Can we, can we call it a virtue? Yeah, no, that's a great question. I think in today's society, uh, with a lot of uh, division and confusion, um, so much political wrangling on both sides of the aisle that sometimes patriotism gets a, a bad name, right? And it's equated with some misguided nationalism, um, my country, do or die, that kind of uh, sentiment. And indeed, patriotism in the long-standing Catholic tradition has been considered a virtue. In other words, a perfection of our human nature, a, a good according to natural law um, and increased by the supernatural law, by the grace of God, into something that makes us more human. You know, And so a, a careful study of that and a deeper understanding and application of the virtue of patriotism, I think is critical for every, every citizen, but especially for us as Catholic men and women. Well, and, and I want to, um, you know, I appreciate that. I want to read a quotation here from St. John Paul the Great, uh, who I think so many people just see in him sort of this embodiment of, of a joyful patriotism that isn't sort of closed in on itself in an internal way, but is actually magnanimous and makes one like more open um, unto others. So here's, here's the quotation. And this is uh, something he spoke in, in 1983. Um, quote, an example, uh, excuse me, quote, kissing Polish soil, however, has a special meaning for me. It is like a kiss placed upon the hands of our mother, for our country is our motherland. Poland is a special mother. Her history has not been untroubled, especially over the last centuries. She is a mother who has suffered a lot and continually suffers anew. Therefore, she has the right to a special love, end quote. And he spoke those words in 1983 from the airport in Warsaw. He got off the airplane and, and kissed the ground of his mm-hmm. home country, or in, he's using this language of um, mother country. Is that something that, that, that resonates, that patriotism is maybe in some respect we could even trace a connection to like the fourth commandment, like an honoring of father and mother. What are your thoughts? Sure. And I think, you know, that's a beautiful quote. And, you know, at that time in 1983, you can remember the the battles in his native Poland that then the Archbishop of Krakow was fighting, right? His patriotism, his love for his country, the motherland that he refers to, didn't mean that he accepted everything, every law, uh, and every decree that came from the communist authorities. And yet we see that there is a love for country that flows out of um, the, as you say, the fourth commandment, that this, um, to love one's parents, right? To love one's parents because they gave us life um, and they form us and they educate us. Um, everything our parents do may not be worthy of praise, but our... Um, piety towards them, our 
respect and honoring of them um, should never waver because of the gift of life and the gift of nurturing that they gave us. And so, and likewise, that extends in our Catholic understanding to the motherland or the fatherland, this parenting land that has given us our historical identity, um, has given birth to the culture in which we live and breathe, and really has given us so much. It's nourished us. And I think that's what um, St. John Paul the Great refers to in that beautiful quote. Well, and I think that's something too, all of this history of like our culture, this is something that just my own intuition and observations in my work the last few years, you know, working in, with, with government and sort of more out in civil society is, this is something maybe that we struggle with a bit because it's something that is, um, that is completely given to us and is received. And we actually we sort of like exalt individual choice. I choose it, therefore it is good. And we have a difficulty recognizing as good something that is given that precedes even our choice. You know, a prime example for, I think most of us, if not everybody is like our language. You know, we almost, not everybody, there, there are Americans who don't speak English as their first language. But by and large, there's like a history of this is just the language, and we don't. Nobody asks you what language would you like to learn. Um, oh, that's exactly right. That's a, that's a beautiful analogy in the sense that there's a lot that's been given to us, um, and and to to recognize that, to to receive it, um, and to be grateful for it. Mm. Be grateful uh, for it. There's a sense of gratitude that pops up within regard to virtue itself. Um, that there's so much that has been given to me that now I'm called to to exercise in a, in a way that's fitting with my nature and God the God-given gifts that I've received. And I think it's important to say, you know, just that, that virtue, right, that firm and habitual disposition to do what is good, to do the good in any area of our lives. Um, and so you and I have been given certain virtues. I, I think of um, of, of some of our artists, you know, who sing, or our baseball players who we wish would take the field, um, that they <laughs> have been given gifts, and if if they hadn't used them, put them into practice, we wouldn't see them on the field ever, much yeah. less in this COVID period. But but yeah, I think that 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 sense of givenness is is, is critical, uh, and then recognizing receiving it, and then putting it into to exercising it. You know, and I really appreciate too what you say about this sort of um, the classic definition of a virtue, this sort of firm and habitual disposition to do the good. How does, which requires just sort of, as you say, putting it into action, just doing it. And we may, we may not be perfect as we set out to do it, but we've got to, we've got to try, we've got to practice. That's how anyone gets better at something. A baseball player gets better by practicing. Any, anything that comes to mind for you, Father, for ways in which Catholic citizens, and maybe speak to lay people specifically, mm-hmm. any ways in which we can really practice the virtue of patriotism? Like, what are some ways that we can put that into action in right. a way that it becomes more rooted as a habit? Right. You know, uh, just real briefly, you know, under the those natural virtues, those cardinal virtues uh, of of prudence, justice, temperance, uh, and uh, fortitude or courage um, under justice, giving another his or her due. That's where we get the piety, piety towards, you know, this 
giving our parents their due, this thanks, this honor, this respect. And so our country, again, as the one that in which we were born and nourished, or even our country of adoption, right? It could be our country of adoption that nourishes us and strengthens us and gives us so much. Um, what is it to do that we owe them? You know, that how do we express our, our patriotism and love of country, really? Uh, and so I think one is, you know, you can look to the catechism. It kind of addresses this in a beautiful way um, of being involved, you know, as involved citizens, you know, working for just laws, working to be participants in the electoral process, um, working to care for one another's, one another's neighbor. Right? So it's a real sense of that the country is not made up so much of of the geographical borders, although that helps define it, right? But of the people within that borders, who who into into this larger community I have been born, um, and this community that in a way has been given to me, and so now I live in relationship to them. And one of the things I would say many times, I say this all the time, um, when we have struggles and challenges within our communities, school boards decisions by our, our, our cities or counties or within the state level or national level. Um, hey, you're a talented guy. You're a talented young woman. Why don't you get involved? Yeah. Why don't you get involved with the campaign? Yeah. Why don't you run? Why don't you get in there with the school board? Why don't you participate? I mean, I think participation is a beautiful way of showing our love, respect, honor, and commitment to our, our country or our nation. Well, and that really, that sort of just encouragement of like, um, put your money where your mouth is, so to speak, that really resonates with just some of my own formation as a Marine is like, you know, everybody's expected to, to show up and give input when input was asked. Um, it wasn't like, don't ever criticize or complain. But if you're gonna, if you're gonna point out a fault or like, hey, here's an area for improvement, you better be ready to articulate a solution or at least be committed um, to like, to seeing it through. Um, and maybe that's, I guess we could talk about a lot of different ways that that can be challenged in modern America, just in, in, with the ease of social media. And, you know, there are just many different ways that can be easy to talk and have it yeah. just stay talk or complaining without being action. But I, I do really appreciate that encouragement too. I think it's really important, especially for maybe my generation and below um, that don't quite have those same experiences of neighborhood, town, we're in this together sort of mentality is, is some of our, well, you, you know, probably as a, as a parent, you know, that one day, you know, you're, you're worried about your car, your house, your job. And then the next day when you have kids, uh, you're like, Hey, who's in charge of the schools here? Yeah. Um, why is the speed limit so fast in our neighborhood? Like all of a sudden your scope broadens because now you see the, importance of the whole community and the relationship to our neighbors in a different light. It's that's so funny. You mentioned those two things. Cause those are literally the two things that I'm like caring about right now as a parent, I got our city traffic department to do like a speed study on our road. It's like, people are going way too fast through this neighborhood. And, uh, and my wife and I, whenever we have other younger couples over with children, like the topic of the conversation is always education, you know, and how, not just how are we as parents educating our own children, but like, just the vision for education within society. And yeah, it's, those are two great examples. Yeah, but I think that whole sense of participation is so critical. I mean, we like to say they did this, they're doing this, those people, them. Um, it's, it really, in the end, it is us. And, and 
being engaged with that. It's it's fine to shout at the radio or the TV, uh, the curse at the newspaper, but it doesn't really do anything. Amen. Um, yeah. and, so, and it only makes us, you know, less virtuous. Right. right. So virtue is act is that disposition to act for the good in, yes. in any particular way. Well, and you a couple of minutes ago you mentioned too how you know our our parents may not be perfect, but we still love them, and they're our parents. Um, you know, I, this is sensitive, but I think it bears mentioning that our country is going through some turbulence right now, and and there are groups out there that are um, perhaps motivated by by some real goods, but also it seems in many ways there's like a lack of nuance and there's the baby is getting chucked with bathwater at times as we're, you know, tearing down statues of, of St. Junipero Serra um, in, in some places vandalizing statues of our founding fathers who, who we can admit they weren't perfect people. You know, even as uh, John Paul, going back to that quotation we mentioned earlier, he says about Poland, her history has not been untroubled. Um, she's a mother who has suffered a lot and continually suffers anew. We can say the same about our own country. So maybe um, any, as we've got, you know, about a minute, two minutes remaining here, what are, what's maybe like a concrete next step that you might encourage somebody to take either an involvement in their own town or a level of formation that they might um, sort of undertake to, to develop the, their own conscience. Any, yeah, any right. No, that's a great point. There's a, there's a lot to cover there. But I think one thing is that we um, are always seeking the truth, right? Jesus comes, Jesus Christ is Lord. And Jesus comes to share the truth about who we are and who God is. And that is that communion with God. Mm-hmm. And so virtue, all of those virtues fit into that beautiful becoming who we were created to be in the image and likeness of God. And God gives us extra graces, right? Not only is there a virtue of piety, you know, that flows into patriotism, but there's also the gift of the Holy Spirit of piety that aids us and develops us. We have a grace that builds upon that. Um, And again, we can't be, we can't be sidelined from the truth by the father of lies. There's truth in what's going on in our country, but there's people who will use that truth to deceive and to further, you know, their own agendas as opposed to true love for our country and its people. I um, mean, so we have to be attentive to that. It's hard to, to explain that in 30 seconds, but um, I think, you know, seeking the truth and finding those sources of truth and remembering to look to the Lord in everything that we do is critical. Amen. And I really, I really appreciate, you know, just a rule of rhetoric, I think, for baptized persons um, in the public square, ad gentes, is one of our rules of rhetoric, rhetoric actually needs to be that Jesus Christ came to save everybody. Like that's our, he is our final end. He's our origin and our destiny. So um, maybe one reading recommendation I'll, I'll throw out there to our listeners, just because it's been really impactful in my own life. Um, the former Bishop of Rapid City, uh, Charles Shepu, now um, retired uh, as Archbishop of Philadelphia. He wrote a couple of books, one of which was titled Render Unto Caesar. Um, that I found as I was getting, I read it just as I was getting out of the Marines and was really um, formative for me. And then more recently, I think maybe three or four years years ago, a book called Strangers in a Strange Land, I think can really help orient us and develop a sense of, of our mission, uh, both our identity as Christians and our mission as Americans who are patriots and we love our country and want the best for it. So I don't know if you've read those books or, or have a- I've read a both of them and I would, also, I would second your recommendation on both of those. 
Well, well, thanks, Father. This has been just a great conversation. Um, you know, who knew that a Marine and an Air Force, former Air Force pilot could actually sit down and, and talk about, but that's, that's the beauty of the church. That's what Jesus can do. Amen. So, Father uh, Brian Christensen, thank you so much for joining us on Faith and Politics. And dear listeners, thank you for tuning in once again. If you have uh, enjoyed this show, reach out sdcatholicconference.org and drop us a note. Until next time, live well. Live well.